You're listening to the McKinsey Podcast, featuring wide-ranging conversations on the issues that matter in business and management. This episode is brought to you by the McKinsey Quarterly. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the McKinsey Podcast. I'm Lang Davison, Executive Editor of the McKinsey Quarterly. We're here today to talk about digital performance in big companies and what senior executives can do to improve it. Joining me from London is the global head of McKinsey Digital, Paul Wilmot, and Jay Scanlon, head of McKinsey's digital strategy practice. Gentlemen, thanks for being here. Okay, Lang. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Lang. Great to be here. So you've got a single, simple metric to measure the digital maturity of a company. You're calling it the DQ or digital quotient. And what are you finding as you apply that? Is, there, uh, is everybody doing equally well or more of a range of performance? So, Lang, we are still in the very early days of the digital transformation that is sweeping through our global economy. Uh, as a consequence, uh, it's unsurprising uh, that digital leaders uh, massively outperform uh, their digital followers and digital laggards in the sophistication uh, and quality of their digital quotient. Uh, and in fact, uh, a few things uh, that digital leaders seem to do right uh, that digital followers and digital laggards uh, struggle with uh, significantly. The first is that alignment between overall corporate strategy uh, and the digital initiatives that they're pursuing uh, in order to transform their core business system uh, and to pivot their business model towards growth uh, and away from the headwinds that digital can create. Uh, the second thing they seem to do uh, is really be able to drive a fast and agile culture. Uh, and the third is to get the right organization factors in place. Uh, that's talent, people, processes, structure, and systems that really make a difference uh, when it comes to performing in this new world. The research shows some companies are getting it right, even as others are lagging behind. Uh, and it also sounds like it's strategy that comes first. So um, when it comes to strategy, you'd think it'd be easy to mistake yourself for a pure play disruptor along the lines of an Uber, perhaps. Can every company be an Uber? No, I, I, I don't think, Lang, that every company can or actually should aspire to be an Uber. Uber is got its own business model and it's got a very specific set of things that allows it to make money. Uh, and it's very similar to other pure play digital disruptors, Spotify, Netflix, and others. Um, but each of these are, are quite unique uh, and our incumbent organizations and our incumbent clients have a broader range of concerns that they need to address uh, and they have a broader range of customer needs and consumer demands uh, that they want to fulfill. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, incumbents have a lot of benefits over um, over new players, over startups. And they have customers, they have great data, um, they often have a brand, um, they have financial resources, which a startup may not. Um, you, the question is, can all of those capabilities and assets be deployed in a way which allows you to um, defend against uh, new attackers as... Um, um, as digital disrupts your industry, or, or even to prosper and, um, and and move into new new areas of growth. So, what questions should big incumbent companies be asking themselves when it comes to their digital strategy? I I, I um, would start with who are my competitors in the new world? Your your traditional competitor set may no longer be the competitor set going forward. 
Um, you know, to give an, an obvious example, if you're in financial services, there are many uh, technology players who are starting to in, encroach uh, on, on your world and, and you know, eat parts of your lunch. Um, so that, that's one question. Secondly, understanding how fast you need to act. One of the things we're learning is that when disruption happens, sometimes it actually takes quite a long time and you have you have time and a pace to to react and other times it, it can be very swift and therefore um, you know bold moves are required early on and managing that trade-off between um, you know sustaining the status quo um, versus shifting quickly to a new model is is critical if you're going to, to maximize the amount of, of value I think Paul that those two questions are critical I, I think that incumbents uh, particularly laggards and followers sometimes reflexively try uh, to drive uh, digital marketing and sales because they they mistake uh, the world of digital for um, the world of uh, online selling success uh, and that sort of narrow uh, set of levers and aspirations for digital transformation uh, often is unsatisfying and, and often is actually unsuccessful uh, because a lot of the opportunity unlocked by digital, the ability to fundamentally change uh, how productive your assets are, the ability to leverage um, data uh, and your consumer base in a different way, uh, and the ability to actually develop innovative new propositions that you could never have uh, offered before uh, the world of universal connectivity and uh, ultra-cheap and ultra-fast processing power. Um, the ability to do those things are often actually a lot more powerful um, than trying to get uh, a laser-like focus on uh, a pure digital marketing and sales performance. There's a third question suggested by that, which is uh, you know, where exactly is the value from digital? You know, is it in using your assets more effectively by using data? So, for example, if you're, um, you know, if you're running a fleet of, uh, of vehicles. Um, understanding and predicting you know, maintenance schedules and so on can actually you know, significantly improve your your um, productivity. But for other for other companies, it's around a better or different type of connection to the to the customer. Jay, you mentioned agility, the ability to change rapidly. Uh, how does that fit in once you've got your strategy all lined up? The first uh, dimension is is that speed dimension. Many people. Um, look at pure play disruptors, disruptors and startups uh, with great envy because they seem to be able to move uh, very, very fast. But the other thing that uh, is part of agility is stability of the core process so that you actually have a foundation on which you can build uh, repeatable, high-quality experiences for your customer or your consumer. And so what we talk about when we talk about organizational agility is not just the ability to move very fast, but it's the ability to move very fast whilst at the same time keeping a very stable business system so that you are consistently delivering uh, what your consumers want when they want it at the quality, cost, um, uh, and time uh, that they demand it. And those two things taken together uh, are really, really uh, what we mean by organizational agility. Right, there's a nice tension to that, that you need to be both stable and speedy in order to be agile and in order to deliver what customers need. Uh, that delivery of the value proposition would go to this notion that you also uh, have brought up, gentlemen, about capabilities. What uh, capabilities do companies need in the digital age? 
Lang, there are probably four essential capabilities uh, that great digital leaders have. Um, the first uh, is decision-making, so robust but high-speed decision-making that allows you to make decisive moves about the opportunities and threats that you face uh, and understand the speed, as Paul said earlier, um, that, that you need to make them. The, the second thing is the ability to connect the business system. In a world where you are building a platform on which you offer um, new products and propositions and connect to your consumer in a very different way, the linkage of product go-to-market and technology has never been more important. And that integrated uh, approach uh, to the marketplace uh, is really characteristic of those companies that do best uh, in this new world. The third is radical cost reduction. So it is not only the digitization of processes, but the outright elimination of them uh, through the use of digital um, uh, digital technologies so that you are not only faster to market but at higher quality with substantially or, or radically lower costs. Uh, and the final thing is this notion of a two-speed IT architecture so that you can keep the lights on of the core IT systems whilst at the same time overlaying um, the new capabilities uh, that are required to succeed in the world of digital in terms of data insight and transparency, consumer analytics, um, and new customer propositions. If I could just build a little bit on that, Jay, I think there, um, on your first point on decision-making, um, the focus should be on the big, bold decisions as well as you know making the, the hundreds of little decisions around direction. And it's the big, bold decisions which are hardest and, and really uh, differentiate between the leaders and, and the less successful. Um, you specifically, um, you know, what is the quantum of investment that you need to make in digital uh, and at what time? Um, we've seen numerous examples of um, executives who were not bold enough and invested too late. Um, and then you know, as a result, they'd already lost market share and position by the time that they came to make their investments. And that notion of a two-speed IT goes back to your notion of agility, Jay, that one part of the organization moves quickly, another stays a bit more stable. Uh, listening to this list of capabilities, it strikes me not every company is going to have all the capabilities that they need. What can they do when, you know, how are they going to address the shortfalls that they might, they might find within their organizations? Yeah. Lang, this may be, may be one of the biggest single challenges of the world of digital. Um, through, through our DQ uh, diagnostic tool, uh, we've been trying to analyze how companies have been filling uh, the need for new capability um, development. There are a few things that digital leaders uh, don't do that is very clear. The first thing they do not do is repurpose uh, huge swathes of people from their existing organization to go try to compete and win um, in, this, in, in this new world. The, the second thing that they don't do is they don't seem to outsource radically. They seem to actually instead build capabilities within themselves, particularly the strategic ones that are going to differentiate them and their strategy from, the, uh, from those of their competitors. And the way they build those capabilities, of course, is through normal hiring practices, but also through um, much more programmatic uh, M&A activity in order to gain the small sets of capabilities to be bolted together uh, into new groups that allow uh, these new capabilities to, to, to actually change the business model over time and to transform the core 
uh, business system uh, as necessary. Right. So one thing I would new blood. Go ahead. Go ahead. Paul. I was just going to say that um, a couple of points. One is you bringing in talent from other industries seems to work typically, but only up to a point. Um, if you if you think that you can you know, replace your team with a team from another sector or other sectors, and and that will they will drive the digital agenda. You can go too far with that. Uh, really a mix of people who are trusted and, uh, and know the business with outside talent seems to work well. Um, the, the second point is we found that by creating a, a new environment, a new decision cadence, um, and um, you know, a, um, providing the right kind of cultural guidelines, you can actually shift the way that an organization is working and develop some of these new capabilities in time in-house but they do require incubating in a um usually in a in a dedicated semi-separate unit i can imagine to some senior executives uh some of what we're talking about might seem to have some risk associated with it what kind of appetite for risk is required to move forward in the in the digital age it's interesting because the the stock answer here is oh you you, know, you need to be um, more willing to take risks, um, and I would say um, you I would give a slightly different view, which is you need to think much more carefully about the risks you're taking, and then be prepared to back the winning strategies that you have wholeheartedly. Um, so specifically, doing lots of experiments with different new propositions or products um, and business models uh, can be a very effective way of learning, learning about your customers, learning about what can work in the market. Um, but that's, um, that, I mean, that's a good way of de-risking what you're doing. The, the important bit is putting all of your resource behind the winning strategy when you find it. And that is that is where, in, you know, in theory, is, is a more risky bet because you have to, you know, you have to Basically, place your um, place your resources in one place rather than smearing around. But we have found that you know, companies which are successful are very targeted about how they're investing, um, and you know their plan and their strategy for digital, rather than trying to be too broad brush. If you are, uh, as an organization, very disciplined about understanding both the speed and potential magnitude. Uh, of transition or disruption that is likely to happen within your industry. Um, there is a mistaken notion that not acting somehow reduces risk. Uh, but I think as Paul has suggested, and I, I have as well, um, that's a mistake. The, the status quo bias of managers does not actually uh, make that decision to stand still any less risky. And in fact, uh, if you can uh, convince yourself that the world is going to change around you, um, the choice to stand still is actually the single biggest risk uh, you would take. Right, not doing anything may be the riskiest move of all. Um, when it comes to reallocating resources from parts of the business that are uh, perhaps lagging and towards places in the, in the strategy where there are opportunities to be had, uh, anything we want to say with regard to reallocation of resources? Yeah, I think, I think there are actually three observations about the reallocation of resources. Uh, the first is that uh, digital leaders uh, appear to aggressively uh, seek external 
uh, opportunities, both through alliances and partnerships, but also through M&A, uh, and therefore the uh, reallocation of resources through inorganic means uh, is very helpful. The, the second thing is that choosing what you discontinue and moving resources purposefully and aggressively away from those areas that are going to be less successful uh, in the world of digital to the areas where you think you are going to be more successful um, is also very important and very, very common amongst the, the best performing uh, digital leaders, particularly in those industries that have been most disrupted in the past. Uh, and then the third thing is that backing winners uh, with scaling investments so that you can build a virtuous circle of returns uh, and uh, brand and network effects uh, so that once you begin to win in the marketplace, competitors find it harder and harder to keep up. Um, that, is a, uh, that is a winning success formula uh, through reallocation that seems to, seems to characterize those companies uh, that are out in front. What else comes into play when you look to get your strategy right, your culture right, your capabilities right? You have to find coherence in whatever organizational model that you choose. And that coherence is not just in the lines and boxes of the organizational structure, but in the way in which your processes align and drive cross-organizational collaboration. Uh, and the organizational practices around talent, uh, including incentives, role modeling, and behaviors that drive um, the very best uh, out, of new digital, uh, out of new digital talent. There are a few things, though, that digital leaders seem not to do. The, the first thing they seem not to do is create internal competition within business units. So those organizations that truly believe they need to cannibalize their core business model, they almost always carve out that business unit into an independent and standalone um, entity. The second thing they tend to do is drive accountability and empowerment it is not uh, in, in the culture. It is not just a matter of uh, the, the ping pong tables and uh, Friday afternoon beer that drives uh, talent to really succeed in this world, but it is the ability to give them very challenging problems and both the empowerment and accountability to go solve them. Uh, and then finally, um, and I think this is by far the single most important thing uh, with an organization uh, is around leadership. And this uh, leadership question around digital uh, is one for the board of directors and the CEO uh, and cannot be easily delegated uh, below that level. Most industries are going through uh, some kind of disruption due to digital. It varies in terms of timing and it varies in terms of degree, but most industries are going through some level of disruption. Uh, Secondly, getting the direction right and knowing exactly how you will react to that and how that your strategy is, is going to play out in this new world and being very certain on it is important. And um, you, that is surprisingly hard to achieve. Um, it requires the executive to spend, team to spend a lot of time really understanding how the, the world is shifting around them, and then taking some very bold calls on exactly how to reallocate resources and doing it quickly. I think that's right. I mean, uh, like so many things uh, in companies, it's the 
honest and uh, thoughtful application of leadership uh, and then the right application of time, talent, um, and capital resources that uh, distinguishes those companies that ultimately win uh, in their competitive environment from those that are uh, less successful. Um, and those sort of evergreen lessons about great corporate performance uh, are just as, just as true in the world of digital uh, as they have been uh, in, in decades past. All in all, a daunting set of challenges to address what is a big opportunity in the digital age for big established companies. Gentlemen, thanks for being here today. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Lane. You've been listening to the McKinsey Podcast. To learn more about McKinsey, our people and our latest thinking, visit us at mckinsey.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook.